Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Before we get started, I promised myself that I wouldn't forget to share a very important update with you all. I've officially reopened my one-on-one coaching and I've opened up just five spots to work with me privately. And this will be the last opportunity before summer to work with me. Once those spots are gone, they're gone. So if you're really serious about getting off the dating roller coaster, you're tired of the games, and you're ready to attract a great relationship, go apply now. Use the link in my Instagram bio at Dr. Morgan Coaching, or feel free to send me a DM on Instagram letting me know you'd like to apply. I am so happy that you are here for today's episode. And this is with one of my most favorite people I've connected with on Instagram. Honestly, I am a huge fan of her work. One of my favorite quotes of hers is talking about being brave. The quote is, she wasn't quite ready, but she was brave. And the universe listens to brave. You guys, this is an interview that I attempted to do as a conversation. Didn't turn out that way, but we got very creative with it. Um, This is a guest interview is what I'll call it. And it is with Dr. Rebecca Ray. She is a clinical psychologist She is an author. She has an amazing new book out called The Art of Self-Kindness. Make sure you go check that out. She really is an amazing speaker. And one of the things that she talked to me about is I said, well, you're, you are a self-compassion expert. And she sort of reframed it and said, you know what? I'm just helping people live their most compassionate, empowered lives. So she's incredibly humble. Um, and this interview, honestly, when I listened to it kind of really, really, um, spoke to me and I think it will to you all as well. So I can't wait for you to hear it. So get ready. Here you are. This is questions that I had for Dr. Rebecca Ray. I, asked her about how can we best cope with the current pandemic using self-compassion. I also asked her about how our relationship with ourself impacts our dating and our relationships with others. And then what can we do when we're having trouble moving on from a past relationship, or maybe we're beating ourselves up about what happened in a past relationship. And she answers all of these questions beautifully in this 25 minute clip 
So please, this is a treat. It's an honor to have her on the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. Check out this wonderful interview with Dr. Rebecca Ray. You will highly benefit from it. Hi, Morgan. It's such a pleasure to be here today doing this recording for you. For those of you listening at home, I just want to give you some kind of understanding of the circumstances that I'm recording in. Morgan and I tried to do this um, conversation as a normal podcast conversation, like you normally would, using Zoom. And because we're in the middle of a pandemic, as I record this, it's the beginning of April 2020, everyone is using Zoom to connect, (laughs) which I actually think is a wonderful thing, but it meant that um, our internet wasn't stable enough for us to continue our conversation. So as some kind of solution, I'm here recording by myself today so that Morgan can, till, can still deliver at least my side of this chat to you. She's given me a series of questions to answer and I'd love to go through them with you now. So the first thing that Morgan wanted me to speak on is how self-compassion can help us navigate the pandemic that we're currently in. Um, And what we can do if we notice that we're slipping into self-criticism or comparing ourselves with others. And I think this is a really important question right now and something I've seen come up in my community so often, but also something that I've seen come up in my family. So I want to give you an example of how this is occurring from something that I've witnessed firsthand. My wife, Nissa, is a musician and overnight, um, a couple of weeks ago, she lost her entire calendar of work thanks to coronavirus. She plays in event entertainment venues and she also plays a lot of weddings and the weddings were all postponed and the entertainment venues all cancelled their live music. And so she's been in a position where while it's given her a break from gigging, which on the one hand she desperately needed, it means she's also witnessing a lot of her musician friends now throw themselves into doing uh, live recordings online and setting up studios and all that kind of thing. And we have a toddler, he's two now, and Bennett's home with us full time during this particular pandemic. We've made the choice to pull him out of daycare. And what that means is that we have far less time on our hands, especially to do live recordings. And so Nissa's experienced this sense of FOMO, you know, this fear of missing out, the fact that if she's not putting a whole lot of content out every single day, then she feels like um, her position in the music community will disappear. Her her reputation, her standing in the music community, you know, almost her place to um, create and put it out into the world will disappear. And I think that's such a common thing that we can experience is this pressure to constantly be creating or to constantly be taking Uh, or making the most of every single opportunity that comes our way. But what that doesn't account for is your current circumstances. It doesn't account for what personal resources you have available. And I mean personal resources in terms of mental and physical energy, emotional energy, um, and time resources, all of which Nissa has uh, experienced as Uh, somewhat lacking right now because she's also been slightly burnt out from gigging for so long, for so many years without a decent break. And so she's in this uh, emotional space where she's been 
experiencing internal conflict. Does she create, create, create in every spare minute that she has? Or does she allow herself to rest? Or is there a way that she could do both? And so we've had many conversations around this idea of what does it look like now to navigate a pandemic where there is a much heightened sense of collective anxiety. We're all facing coronavirus for the first time. Uh, We're all also facing in our lifetime, the first time that we've experienced something like this in terms of threatening the world to this extent. And things are ever changing. So each day, or at least in Australia, I'm recording from Australia, every day something new occurs in terms of the things that we can and can't do. And so as we sit in this space, it's understandable that you would be feeling confused and overwhelmed. And if you then apply that to, oh my goodness, what should I be doing to make the most of this time? You can definitely get caught up in this idea of I should be doing something different than what I'm actually doing. There are a whole series of responses that we go through right now um, that are different and individualized depending on our own experience. You might be excited about the chance to finally rest. You know, you might be really relishing this uh, sense of global um, space to be able to do less for a while. You might find that your circumstances have changed such that you're doing more than you have time and energy to do. You might find that you're still having to care for everyone. Perhaps you're unwell and your resources are absolutely sapped. If you are unwell, I'm absolutely sending you all my love because I can't imagine how difficult that is for you right now. And oftentimes we're at the moment we're unwell, but also isolated. So we're not having the same face-to-face support that we would have access to. But you might also be experiencing this time as a a sense of being re-traumatized if you have a history of trauma and that may be creating an increase in anxiety. Um, Or if you're used to being in chaos and crisis, you might be approaching this with a sense of resilience and calm because it's not unusual for you to be experiencing that in your world, not necessarily about a pandemic, but just about personal crises that you might have navigated before. What I want to say to this is whatever your experience is right now, it's totally understandable if you're feeling overwhelmed and confused because there are no rules here. And the rules that are being placed upon us by our respective governments and health professionals are changing all the time. So there is no right way to navigate this pandemic. And this is where self-compassion comes in. Self-compassion is offering ourselves gentleness. It's offering ourselves understanding. It's offering ourselves validation for our present moment experience. So the most helpful thing that you can do, especially if anxiety is rising, is to acknowledge and validate that feeling for yourself. The worst thing you can do is to get into a fight with the anxiety or with whatever emotional discomfort that you're experiencing and to try to turn that feeling off or to tell yourself that you should be feeling something different. What that does is it invalidates your present moment experience. 
And you might find that you've been in the habit of invalidating your experience, particularly if that was done to you by a significant person in your life in childhood. If you were told that, you know, you should just chin up and get on with it, if you were too sensitive, if you um, should pull your head in in some way, shape or form, then you might find that you have uh, a great deal of difficulty validating your own emotions but this is the way to start with self-compassion. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do is to acknowledge what you're feeling right now and allow yourself to feel it without judgment and without criticizing yourself. Now, if you're in a space like Nissa has been during this time where you're watching other people live their best quarantine lives, you know, <laughs> there might be someone out there doing a yoga class in the morning and then she's jumped on, um, some kind of work meeting at lunchtime and then she's having happy hour drinks via FaceTime with her friends in the afternoon and you're sitting there just wondering whether or not you can get out of your pyjamas today, I really want you to bring some self-compassion to that and I want you to be able to sit there and understand that your individual experience is completely valid because there's no right or wrong way to do this. Now, if you find that your mind is critical, if your mind is attacking you, if your mind is trying to place rules and expectations on you right now about what you should or shouldn't be doing, then I want you to approach those thoughts with a gentle and kind voice. One of the things that we can do that makes the biggest difference is to speak to ourselves kindly, to speak to ourselves as a friend would. So try that. It takes a little bit of practice because thoughts happen automatically. That is, they happen outside of our awareness most of the time. The way you'll be aware of your mind criticizing you is you'll notice your mood change. So if you start to become frustrated or to feel a bit down, check in with your, with your mind and what it's saying and then try to bring a kind approach to yourself instead. Now, the next question that Morgan asked me to address is how does the relationship with ourselves um, impact our relationship with others, especially when this applies to a romantic relationship or an intimate partnership? One of the things that I love talking about most because it has the most profound experience uh, in our lives, I think, you know, our experience of our own lives is affected by our relationship with ourselves. Your relationship with yourself is the one that defines your relationships with all others. So if you have a negative relationship with yourself, if you have a critical relationship with yourself or one where you're used to judging yourself, condemning yourself, um, attacking yourself for your imperfections or any way that you consider that you don't measure up, then you may find that you end up repeating that same approach in your intimate relationship. One of the things that I see really often with clients that I work with is the more critical that they are of themselves, the more likely they are to be critical of others. And the way we kind of undo that or work with that is to start to build awareness about the fact that there is a way that we can cultivate a loving relationship with ourselves. And that starts by becoming aware of the criticism that we're offering ourselves and instead to change that voice to one of friendliness, to one of acceptance. And acceptance, self-acceptance is probably a little different uh, in terms of the way that we work with it psychologically than what you might see in the dictionary. 
So when I'm talking about approaching yourself acceptingly, what I mean is that you accept yourself for all the parts of you, even the parts that you don't particularly find easy to like. Because we all have that shadow side of ours that, you know, we would prefer to not have because in some way it doesn't fit with who we really want to be. But there are always black and white pieces to ourselves Acceptance in the way that I talk about it psychologically means that you fully allow yourself to be whole, including those pieces. It doesn't mean that you like or want or approve of something like it does in the dictionary. It just means that you're coming at yourself from a position of wholeness. You allow yourself to be whole. You accept yourself as you are, even with the imperfections that exist. Now, when it comes to your relationship with yourself, if you're um, rejecting parts of yourself that you don't like, then that's going to show up in your relationship with your intimate partner. You might find that it's easy to either glorify your partner as if they're perfect and to belittle yourself or to also reject parts of your partner that are imperfect so that your standards become exceptionally high and often unattainable. And that means that you can end up not being able to enjoy long lasting partnerships because the rejection happens too early because you're used to rejecting yourself also. also. So that plays out in terms of you rejecting others as well. Uh, Oh, there's so much I could talk to about this as well. I'm not sure how to how deeply to go with this, but if you want to explore more, uh, what I would suggest that you do with this is to look at the parts of yourself that you often reject. Now, if you're saying, you know, Beck, can you be a bit more specific? What do you mean the parts that I might reject? I would ask you to look at the parts of you that you would consider imperfect. You might reject your body. You might reject your intelligence. You might reject the choices that you've made in the past. You might reject um, the mistakes that you've made. You might reject something that's part of you that is just the way you are. You might have dyslexia. You might reject that part of you. You might reject the fact that you really struggle to be on time places. Whatever it is, go for the parts that you've been rejecting and then look at how that rejection might be playing out in your romantic relationship as well. You might find that it's easier for you to reject than to accept because accepting means that you need to allow yourself to be vulnerable. To accept someone else wholly, to accept their whole person, we need to be able to accept ourselves as well. Sometimes we offer that to other people before we offer it to ourselves. But unless we offer it to both ourselves and the person who, our, who is our partner, then we're not accepting the humanity in our relationship as a whole. The next question that Morgan asked me to speak on is, what would your advice be to someone struggling to move on from a past relationship, particularly for someone who might be stuck in the what did I do wrong spiral? The first thing that I would really want you to do, lovely ones, is to acknowledge the grieving process that goes with um, 
having to let go of a relationship that you probably didn't want to let go of if you're struggling to move on from it. And even if you did want to let go of it, I mean, sometimes relationships just aren't right for us. You know, that person is not a good fit for us or we're not a good fit for them. And so even if you know that the relationship needed to end, there's often a grieving process that goes with that. Um, There's a quote, it goes something like, um, "You you can still miss what you don't want, something like that. And I think this applies here, you know, if you've moved on from the relationship and you don't want it back and yet there's still a part of you grieving for it, it's really important to validate that grief because that's an essential part of moving on from the relationship. And as part of that grief, what you might need to acknowledge is the parts of the relationship that were actually really fun or healthy or loving. And then there's other things that need to be acknowledged, like the lessons that you're taking with you to move forward. If you're attacking yourself about things that you perceived you did wrong or things that you perceived that affected the quality of the relationship, what I want you to do is to really bring some acceptance to the fact that as part of you being human, you will make mistakes, but that does not mean that it's a reflection sorry, that does not mean it's an accurate accurate reflection of your self-worth. So please be really careful about attaching your self-worth to the mistakes that you perceive that you've made in past, past relationships because it's not an accurate measure of that. There is no accurate measure of worthiness. You just are worthy exactly as you are. And people that struggle to move on from relationships often have decided that they're not good enough in some way because of something that they did or didn't do in the relationship. And you might have external um, evidence, and I put evidence in air quotes, you might have external evidence that uh, there was something that you did in the relationship that didn't work. So perhaps your ex-partner said that you weren't enough in some way for them, and or at least that's your perception. I still want you to understand that no one else decides your worthiness either, not your partner, not your parent, not your third grade teacher. No one else has the capacity to decide whether you're worthy or not. You simply just are worthy. However, unless you cultivate the practice of acknowledging your own worth, you're always going to struggle with this idea of not being enough. Now, before I I make that sound like there's some kind of utopic destination that you can reach where you feel good enough all the time, I think it's really important for me to acknowledge that as human beings, we're actually wired to not feel good enough. So the way we've evolved is from, you know, 100,000 years ago when we were roaming around on the savannah in clans where it was actually highly adaptive to constantly question whether or not we were measuring up, whether or not we were good enough as part of the clan. Were we contributing in the way that we needed to contribute? Were we doing enough? Were we helping the clan to survive? Because if we didn't do those things, then we ran the risk of being rejected from the clan and therefore dying because it was really hard to survive alone back then or to being killed by the clan if, if, Um, our presence was that much of a threat to their ongoing survival. Now, it's not necessarily life or death when we talk about uh, being good enough today in 2020. Certainly, 
um, probably not from where you're sitting and not from where I'm sitting either. But that doesn't mean that our brains have adjusted. Instead, we've got really old software in our brains that just makes us worry about not being good enough on a far more subtle level. That means that your brain might start thinking, am I the right size? If I just lost a bit of weight, then maybe he or she would have loved me more. If um, I got a better job, then I'd be more attractive to him or her. Um, If I wanted to have a baby or if I didn't want to have a baby, then perhaps they would would have wanted to continue in a relationship with me. It's far more subtle now, but that doesn't stop us from worrying about whether or not we're good enough. I'm not saying you can necessarily turn that process off. What I am saying, lovely ones, is I want you to become aware of when you're telling yourself that you're not not enough for whatever reason it is. And instead, remember to remind yourself that your worthiness is not attached to those things. So if you're stuck in this whole, what did I do wrong spiral, I want you to come back to the present moment, acknowledge the grief that you're experiencing And then look at what lessons am I taking from that relationship and remind yourself in what ways did the relationship not fit for you so that you can move forward to look for something that is a much better match, much more aligned for who you are and who you need to be with. Because I think what past relationships always teach us is uh, about our needs. And now sometimes Uh, we get very concerned about what it is that we want. (laughs) But we're not always that clear on what it is that we need. And so when you look at this previous relationship that you might be struggling to let go of, I want you to think about what it is that it's teaching you that you need and how those needs weren't necessarily met so that you're clearer on what you're looking for when you move forward to the next person. Because there, there will be a next person, lovely one. As long as you, you allow yourself to be courageously vulnerable and put yourself um, out in terms of a sense of being available, then there will be a next person. I know, though, that it's incredibly hard to believe it when you're stuck in it. Um, and I say that from personal experience. I was single the vast majority of my life until I met my wife. And speaking of not knowing what it is that you need versus what you want, at the time when I met her, I was waiting for a six foot four cowboy to walk through the door um, who was going to sweep me up onto his horse and off into the sunset, <laughs> I guess was my kind of romantic view. Uh, not that I was hanging out on farms to meet cowboys, but um, I did not know that a five foot, Uh, muso chick was going to be the love of my life. So sometimes it's about looking at, um, you know, what the universe is offering you and how that's aligned with your deepest needs of your heart. Um, But I also want you to just really acknowledge that sometimes the grief really hurts. And until we validate that for ourselves and until we allow ourselves to sit in that, then it's often really tough to move forward. So start with validation. Uh, Now, my latest book that Morgan also asked me to mention is called The Art of Self-Kindness. This book is a collection of a 100 of my quotes but it's also based around every aspect of our relationship with ourselves, about self-acceptance, self-worth, uh, developing self-trust, about 
um, understanding self-preservation and boundaries. And uh, it's a really beautifully designed book that is um, so easy to read and also a great little book if you want to just open to any page and receive a message for that particular moment. It's so beautifully designed that uh, I've just loved seeing so many people buy a copy for themselves and then a copy for their best friend or their mum as well. Um, that's one of the things that has been so exciting for me about being published is having a designer that's done just such a beautiful job with it. You can find my books, um, all of my books, actually, The Art of Self-Kindness is the third. The one before that was The Universe Listens to Brave. And before that was Be Happy, 35 Powerful Methods for Personal Growth and Wellbeing. And all of them are available in um, good bookstores and online. So you can just jump online and find them wherever you buy your books from. And um, in closing, Morgan asked me if I had only um, time for one short piece of advice to give um, you, our listeners, to help you to improve your lives, what would it be? And this piece of advice is short but meaningful. It would be that courage and fear exist together. We can't live bravely and meaningfully without understanding that fear comes along with us as a passenger. And that means that courage and fear hold hands and they both have a job to do. Fear helps remind us that there are some limitations to what we're doing and to, you know, be careful when it comes to risk. Courage helps to shine a light for the path that we haven't yet navigated. We need both to live bravely and meaningfully. So I would leave you with the idea of when it comes to loving, when it comes to living meaningfully, we need both courage and fear to be present. It's not about being fearless. And if you want to find more of my work, lovely ones, thank you so much for listening today. You can find me at rebeccaray.com.au and I'm on all the socials as at Dr. Rebecca Ray, all one word. And I think Morgan will put the links in the show notes below. I've loved talking to you today and I hope to catch you somewhere along the line on socials. And a huge thank you to Dr. Rebecca Ray for that interview. Wow, y'all. I swear I cried a couple times. Um, I just really appreciated what she had to say about all of those topics. They're all incredibly important. And I loved what she ended with. It is so true that in order to lead brave lives, we need both courage and fear, and they coexist together. And We can't have one without the other, right? So I love that. So huge thank you to Dr. Rebecca Ray for being on the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. And y'all can find her at drrebeccaray.com. And she's also on Instagram and all the social media platforms at Dr. Rebecca Ray. It would mean so much to us both if you would screenshot this episode, share it to your story and make sure that you tag us at Dr. Morgan Coaching and at Dr. Rebecca Ray. Make sure you tag us so we can know that you tuned in and that you benefited from this episode. That's the only way that, that we get to know that you're listening. And I know it matters to both of us. That's why we show up and do this work to serve you all. So once again, make sure you screenshot, 
share it to your story. Tag us both at Dr. Morgan coaching at Dr. Rebecca Ray. We would love to hear from you and we would love to hear which part of this episode you liked the most. As always, I am wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you very soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.